Everybody get plenty to eat? Yeah? Right. Full belly. It's good, good stuff. Lord Jesus, uh, we just consecrate this time. How about we just consecrate these songs to you and our worship to you and we ask for your presence. Lord, your word says the mind that's governed by the spirit has life and peace. We just pray for your spirit to permeate our thoughts and our minds. In your name we pray. Amen. Story's just begun. Failure won't define me. That's what my father does. Failure won't define me. That's what my father does.
Isn't it incredible that um, when we come before the Lord, it's not that we, like shame is not even welcome there. We live under this cloak of shame. All of us do at some level or another. But God invites us to be free of it, right? He offers an, a way to exist, a way to live, where we no longer have shame, where we Amen. no longer, it no longer governs our lives, right? Amen. And we all want a God that takes our troubles away, right? Amen. We all Amen. want a Amen. God that makes everything better, yeah? It changes our circumstances. Amen. But Jesus, Jesus offers us something more than just easy, right? Amen. That's what the world's after. Our whole culture is built around easy, the yeah. avoiding suffering, right? Amen. Amen. But Jesus said it. He said, in this world, you will have trouble. Amen. In this world, you're going to have pain. It's going to find you one way or the other. Amen. So you can spend all your time trying to avoid it. Or you can let yourself be absorbed by the Spirit of God. Amen. And find joy and peace here in the midst of trouble, right? Amen. It doesn't mean that life is all about trouble. There is mountaintops. There are valleys, right? Just like there are valleys. But Jesus offers himself to us. Amen. And with that comes joy and life, right? Because our circumstances are going to change, right? Things are going to, our lives are going to ebb and flow and we're going to experience difficulty and we're going to experience good times. God offers us this experience where we can find life in Him. We can find joy in Him no Amen. matter what we're walking through, right? Amen. So today, let's just calm our hearts for a minute and listen to the Father. Listen to the Spirit of Jesus. And listen to whatever it is that He wants to say to us today. Let His Spirit fall on us. Let His Spirit be revealed in us. Jesus, we just ask for your spirit right now. We just ask that you would clear everything that we're thinking about. Those nagging thoughts. Amen. The guilt. The shame. The frustration with people. Those obsessive thoughts that we can't get rid of. Amen. Father, will you just quiet our hearts right now so that we can hear your gentle spirit that invites us in. There is a truth older than the ages. There is a promise of things yet to come. There is one born of our salvation. Jesus, Jesus. There is a light 
that overwhelms the darkness. There is a kingdom that forever reigns. There is freedom from the chains that bind us. Jesus, Jesus, who walks on the water, who speaks to the sea, who stands in the fire beside me. He roars like a lion, he bled as the lamb, he carries my healing in his hands. Jesus. There is a name I call in times of trouble. A song that comforts in the night. There is a voice that calms the storm that rages. He is Jesus, Jesus, who walks on the water, who speaks to the sea, who stands in the fire beside me. just um, we receive your spirit right now we receive your word we res receive what you want to say God we consecrate these moments to you Father God we lift our brokenness to you not to a substance not to a drink not to another person Father we lift our brokenness to you we surrender our brokenness to you, Father. 
And we call on your name, Jesus. Jesus. We give you authority over this place right now, Father. We give you authority over our hearts and over our emotions, over our minds. We give you authority over our bodies right now, Father. God, we declare that in this space, this has been marked by your kingdom. This has been staked out for your kingdom. Father, we give you supreme authority right now. In your name we pray, amen. You can clap, that's fine. It's good stuff. Thank you, brother. Amen. Thank you, Flint Hill, for being here this morning. Appreciate you guys. That was me. Can I be honest this morning before we start? I'm going to anyway, but I'd like your permission. Listen. I believe God is up to something today. You trust me on that? Amen. There's a reason why, uh, and we'll get into all the details, but we have just been in a morning of chaos. Amen. Like everything's kind of been chaotic this morning, you know? Amen. Uh, I admitted to the guys up here, we and, and there's no special thing. If you ever want to jump up here when we pray in the mornings, we just gather a few folks up that we know, believe, and uh, pray over every heart that is here. That's what's going on then. But I confess to them, it's like, I just, I feel flustered this morning. I don't feel as prepared. And some of the things that have happened this morning, some of the news we've gotten this morning, Amen. different things, it's just... Um, but uh, had a, a very close person out here with me. I don't want to embarrass them, but they just said, uh, could be the enemy at work. Amen. Right? Uh, so let's pray against that, and let's pray to have open hearts. If, if there's going to be that much confusion and just that much attack, uh, let's pray for the good. Amen. And I've seen some good this morning. I, I, I said that last week, but... Uh, I just walked up on two brothers with the word open and talking uh, about it with each other, and that's that's beautiful. Um, seeing other things that, that's sweet, and I just I feel God's at work this morning. So will you just pray with me, um, Father. We have the name at our disposal that is above every name. Uh, the name of Jesus is above any person, past, present, or future that can be named. Amen. The name of Jesus is even greater than that, though, God. It's not limited to people. It's against anything Amen. that can be named. That means cancer. That means addiction. That means uh, struggles. That means um, lost hopes and dreams. Father, the lost soul that walked in this parking Amen. lot this morning. The name of Jesus is greater than any sin. And so we pray against any uh, attacks of the enemy. I know that may sound weird to some, but we believe that there's spiritual warfare that goes on, that our battle is not against flesh and blood. Uh, so when chaotic times come, especially on a Sunday as we 
choose to gather as a family. Uh, we just take that as opposition against the good that you're wanting to do, Father. And so in Jesus' name, we pray against that, the power, the blood, the finished work of the cross against any schemes of the enemy. And we just say, have your way in this place today. Speak to every heart. If someone is here and doesn't know you today, that today would be the day they meet you. Your word says today is the day of salvation. One, because we're not promised tomorrow. If we do know you, that we just leave this place just a little closer to you. Not because you don't want to be close to us. Sometimes we make decisions or do things that pulls us away from you. You've not left us. And so... We pray that you draw us closer. If there's a prodigal out here that's been running for a while, I pray that today is the day that the Father meets them running over the hill. Your word says, couldn't stop kissing you. Put on a robe and a ring. said, my son that was lost is now found. My son that was dead is now alive, and you had a party. Uh, Father, man, what a day of celebration it would be if the prodigal returned home. So in all these things, we just pray against any schemes of the enemy. We pray that you have your way uh, in this place. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So last week, uh, if you were here, our good friend John Littleford talked. And uh, as he did, he asked uh, an extremely important question, one that has been on my heart all day. Jesus is speaking with his disciples, and he asked this question to them, those his close followers. All this speculation of who Jesus was and the people saying, by what power, by what authority do you teach? And uh, he's from the enemy, he's from Beelzebub, all these things. And Jesus looks at his disciples and in kind of a moment like we have in Scripture today about, do you really want to follow me? Do you, are you sure you've counted the cost? Have you taken up that cross? Do you know what it means to truly be my follower? And listen to me this morning. When I say a follower of Christ, I don't mean somebody that's walked down an aisle one time in a church building or a setting like today and prayed some prayer and then walked away just unchanged. That's not a follower of Christ. A follower of Christ is not perfect. A follower of Christ is someone that says, I no longer run this thing. It's you. Whatever you call me to do, it may lead you to a parking lot to gather together on a Sunday. It may lead you another part of the world. It may lead you to the cubicle next to you at work to talk to somebody about Jesus. I can't tell you where that calling will take you. But Jesus is sitting with his closest people and he looks at them intently, I imagine, and says this, who do you say that I am? And we said it uh, last week. John got me to close out and I asked this question. I said, what John has asked us to do, this question about who do you say that I am is the most important question you will ever answer in your life. It's more important than who you marry, where you're buried, where you work, where you live, any of those things that we put such great importance on. The most important question, who do I say Christ is? On Jesus, everything hinges. Jesus changes everything. If you've not met him, I, I pray that you meet him today because we believe that in this place. In fact, if you ever question, why do y'all do this? If this is your first week, it's to let you know that there is a love greater than any love that man can manufacture. A love that laid down his life for you. 
You may have heard about Jesus' cross, but you may have never experienced that love. Today's the day, right, that you hear about that grace and that mercy. Today is the day that you reconnect with your Father because we were all created by God, but make no mistake, we're not all children of God unless you come back to the Father like that prodigal son moment. And so our prayer is that when you are encountered with a question, who do you say I am, is what Jesus is asking. We pray that you can answer with such an intimate knowledge that you could say, I, I am His and He is mine. That's my beloved. I I'm His beloved. Like that kind of close personal relationship is what we're hoping for. Does it mean you'll be perfect? Does it mean you'll get everything right? Absolutely not. That's not the idea of grace. Grace was unmerited favor on something you couldn't earn, something you couldn't pay for, something you couldn't work your way to. You couldn't say enough prayers for it. The grace of Jesus is unmerited favor of it doesn't matter what you've done, what you're doing, or what you will do. The grace of Jesus is sufficient, meaning it's enough. The gospel is this. It is finished. It is finished. There's nothing more you've got to add to it. There's nothing more you have to do. You can't. And some of you have worked your spiritual soul to the bones of trying your best. Of If I just weigh out enough on your best day, you're going to fall short. The best day you will fall short of the glory of God. But He has made a way that I can't explain it other than grace is that if you accept that, if you walk in that, that one day when you stand before a holy God and the Word says that we all will, we know, right, that we're not here on a full-time ride. Like one day, our clock, our ticket, we're going to have to punch it, right? And as we do that, and it says absent with the body, present with the Lord, I hope it's in a moment that you get to be there in eternity because you've done business here. But if not, either way, you're still going to be before a holy God and you're going to have to answer, what did I do with my life? How did I live my life? All of these things. And if there's not a question, if there, when that question is asked, if you're not standing in that moment and you can't brag on He, not about me, He, He did this. He died for me. He made the way. If you can't answer in that, if it's any other thing, if it's like, well, I really tried to be a good person. Jamie and I was talking about that the other day. We heard somebody and they were saying, well, we're of this uh, religious belief and we just try to be a good person. It's not enough. Could be the nicest people we ever meet. It's not enough. You say this, well, what do you, what do you mean? It could be the nicest person by earthly standards, but I can tell you this, a thief on a cross next to Jesus was cursing Him at one point and saying, save yourself if you can, save us. You say you're this Messiah. You say you're the promise. Save us all then. He goes from cursing to a moment of seeing how Jesus reacts and seeing Jesus lay His life down, seeing Jesus say things like, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And saying things like, no one takes my life, I'm willingly laying it down. And seeing all of these things, he then has a moment and he says, surely this is the Christ. And here's what Jesus says. Well, you didn't have enough time to do enough good deeds. You didn't get baptized. You didn't do all these things, right? He says, today. Today, because of just that simple act of faith, of knowing that I am the Christ, you will be with me in paradise. And that wasn't a one-day trip. It didn't like, hey, check it out. Isn't it so nice? Now you go back where you came from. It was eternal because of faith 
and because of grace. Do you know Him? Are you counting on your own merit? Are you counting on your, your grandmother went to church and took you as a kid and you walked down an aisle and maybe vacation Bible school and you pray? That's great, but did you really connect with God through Jesus? A relationship. How do you have a relationship? You talk, you walk. It's not about you, it's about Him. I don't know where that lands with you this morning, but I, I pray that you listen to it, you listen to the Holy Spirit's call in that, that He has made a way. And so John asks us that question. The last time I taught in Matthew, it was a couple of weeks ago, Jesus sent out the twelve. If you remember, He had this compassion-filled moment. It says Jesus looks out on the crowd and it looked like they were sheep, lost and helpless and harassed like sheep without a shepherd. Anybody remember that? You were here or you read that story? And so Jesus says He has compassion, that beautiful word that means to suffer with. And we said it the best way we knew we could. It's like us sitting on the curb. Maybe the best news we've ever gotten, the worst news, anything in between. A gentle Savior named Jesus with His arm around you. Maybe not even a word. Just with the assurance, I am here. That compassion to suffer with. We said it even in the good moments. He suffers with us. And we said the reason why is because it's not perfect. Good is not perfect. I know that's deep stuff this morning, but he intended for perfection. The perfection was to be cool afternoon walks in the garden with him. No sin, no temptation to sin. We chose our own way. And so anything great we have in our life right now, as great as it may be, is not perfect. And he still has compassion, still suffers with us. Almost to the extent of my child, it was supposed to be so much better. Especially in the moments where life stings and it hurts and we've lost everything or maybe we just, I don't know how I'm even going to make it. Suffer with. I'm with you. He didn't promise we wouldn't have trouble, but He promised He would be with us. And so Jesus has this moment of compassion. He sees the crowd and He says, I I'm God, yes, but I'm God in the flesh. And so I am sending out those that I've taught. I'm sending out those that have seen my compassion. I'm sending out those who have seen my mercy. I'm going to equip them with the power to heal. I'm going to equip them with the power to teach that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And I'm sending them out. If you're with us, you remember that. He gave them instructions. He told them not to take anything with them. Go on faith. Don't take any money. This isn't about money. He told them, uh, you know, the whole thing about shake the dust off your feet if they don't accept you. And that wasn't some sarcastic moment. It was just like really a reminder that, hey, it's not up to you anyway. I'm just asking you to deliver the message. They don't receive it. Head on away. Go tell somebody else. Right. Like that's what we're supposed to do. And so today that takes us to the next portion in Matthew and the little subtitle in my Bible I just want to point out I don't always do that just add it in there for our benefit but I just want to read it because if you got any doubt that this will happen I want you to listen to how it's titled persecution persecution will come doesn't leave any room for doubt does it it will come if you're a true follower of Christ persecution will come come jesus tells his disciples about it i'd love to read it here with you and discuss it just for a few moments today it's in matthew chapter 10 starting at verse 16 this is right after he had sent out the 12 sends them with the power to heal all of these things 
And he says this, Behold, I am sending you out. So this is a continuation. I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Beware of men, for they will deliver you over to the courts, flog you in their synagogues, and you will be dragged before governors and kings for my sake, to bear witness before them and the Gentiles when they deliver you over. Do not be anxious how you are to speak or what you are to say, or what you are to say will be given to you in that hour. For it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. Brother will deliver brother over to death and father his child and children will rise against parents and have them put to death. And you will be hated for my name's sake. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. When they persecute you in one town, flee to the next. For truly I say to you, will not have gone through all the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. A disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for the disciple to be like his teacher and the servant like his master. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more will they malign those of his household? Let's pray. Father, we just pray that you speak to our hearts this morning. Uh, Father, in whatever way you see fit in this place, uh, help me, help others, help any distraction to get out of the way. And Jesus, you to take uh, center stage in our hearts and our minds. Uh, I think there's a beautiful practice in Scripture that just says, be still and know. A lot of times we're just not still. We're always on the go and always these anxious thoughts or things in our minds. Maybe a, a shame and accusation or curses have been spoken over us. Let's just stop, block out the noise this morning and try our very best to listen to the voice of you. Uh, this morning, Jesus. And so speak to our hearts. Start with me. I need you this morning. I know others would say they need you. And so have your way in this place. Remove any distractions. Remove me. Uh, Father, you just speak uh, as you want to this morning. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. So this word, uh, give, me, give me just a second. This word, uh, behold, he starts out with that. And behold, it means this look or see moment, right? Like this I've got something of importance to tell you. Like I, I've really got something important, right? So he he has already talked about sending them out. And he says, behold. So in other words, like, hey, guys, everybody look this way, right? All right, everybody hang on. Everybody that's in the park, just do me a favor. Let's let's just pray one second. Just where you're at. Just where you're at, okay? They've got it under control. Everything's cool. Let's just pray for hearts. Listen, this is more of what I was talking about. This is exactly more of what I was talking about. There is something going on out here today that is not flesh and blood. I'm telling you, don't let this distract. Okay? We're not gonna we're not gonna let the enemy win that. So pray right now where you're at. Just pray over that. Pray over that. Okay. Hang one second. Jesse, are we good back there? We good? All right. Awesome. Thank you guys for praying. Welcome to church at Southside this morning. Everybody sharing the love. All right. Jesse, if you can, why don't you gather some of them folks and get them to come back in here? Might need to hear a little bit of it. All right. 
Everybody cool? You don't get this just anywhere, man. I went to a church. I'm going to stop and tell you something funny one time. I went to a church one time, and uh, folks sometimes will get me to come and share our story. It's a beautiful story. If you don't uh, realize that, we, we get it's just ordinary to us, right? It happens every week, but it's a beautiful thing. And the guy, the, the pastor, he said, I want to apologize in advance. He said, there, there might be some children in here, and they might get loud. It might be a distraction to you. I said, listen, sometimes at the church sounds like I got sirens that's coming by, helicopters that's landing on children. I, I promise you, it's okay. I'll just keep going. Don't worry about it. Let them, let them cry, man. Keep them in here. But he's asking me, do we need to take them out? It's all, it's all good. We got it. All right. So Jesus gathered all these folks around, and he says, behold, like, look, everybody listen up. Let me get your attention, all right? Now, I just want to just stop and say this. Can I be just completely real here with you? I'm no Jesus, you know that, right? Like you've hung out with me, you know, like there's a little glimpses of Jesus in me. That's his spirit living in me. Keith, the flesh comes out all the time. If I was Jesus, I would like to think I would do a better sales job than sending these people out. All right, because I want you to listen. In my mind, I would want to paint the prettiest of pictures. Like a better selling point of this is like, guys, I'm about to send you out. And have you ever been to a wedding? Anybody ever been to a wedding? Let me see some hands, all right? Isn't the flower girl always one of the best? Like, I mean, most of the time never throws the flowers out, you know, or doesn't do it right, cries, runs down the aisle, whatever, or either the opposite, like just a diva, cute, and just like really throwing them, you know, like emerald with the salt, whatever. I would say this, like you're going to go out and you are going to be greeted and every time they're going to throw rose petals out. It's going to be wonderful. They are going to bring out the best wine. They are going to uh, bring out an extra cloak and tune it for you. And, you know, they're going to have a fire waiting for you and grilled fish and all of these things. That would have been a better selling point, right? Like if you're going to send some people out. But I want you to hear what he says. Instead, he says this. Behold, look, see. Let me get your attention. Everybody listen to me. Let me get your attention. I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. We have an advantage over the disciples. We have what's called the Discovery Channel, Animal Planet. We have seen how sheep and wolves interact. It is not good. Amen? They didn't have that, but they understood what he was talking. You are the sheep. He's already said, I am what? The shepherd. Shepherd have to have sheep. The sheep are following. And so as he's speaking to the sheep, they know who they are in the story. They know they are the sheep. And they say this, I am sending you out sheep among wolves. Can I just be honest that there's probably a disciple in this crowd, and I can't call him by name, I don't know who it would be, but a moment when one of them would just, he said, what? You, you just said you're sending us out with, uh, rewind here, you're sending us out with the power to cast out demons, to raise people from the dead, to preach the good news, the kingdom of heaven is at hand, and you just said you're sending us out as what? Sheep in the midst of wolves. That would have been rough enough if Jesus would have stopped there, but he's already gone through this thing. Don't take any money. Don't take money from people. Don't take extra supply. I will provide. I will provide for you. But I'm sending you out as sheep among wolves. Again, I don't know if you've seen those interact, but they don't typically interact well. 
And so I want us to think there, and honestly, most of us in this place, if God calls us to do something, a lot of time our first thoughts in 2024, I want you to think about this. His disciples back then are being sent out as sheep among wolves. And most of us today, when God calls us something out of our comfort zone, our first and natural response is like, well, they might laugh at me. <laughs> Think about that, right? They might laugh at me. They might not understand or they might, you know, think I'm odd or they might think I'm, you know, one of those old school like Jesus freaks or something, right? That's our thought. That's what we go to. And these guys are actually being sent out to a place where he says, I am sending you out like sheep among wolves. Now, here's what I want to say, though. Make no mistake. We are in that same boat. If we are a follower of Christ, we, too, are sheep in the midst of wolves. Things going on. We've talked about it this morning. Things even going on inside this little bitty sphere that we have here. That is not of this world. That is supernatural attacks of the enemy. We are sheep in the midst of wolves. That's what he meant. But here's what I want to tell you. It gets to a place too, and then the, the second response and a natural response, because we are typically planners, right? We want to plan things and we want to say, well, here's how it's going to go. I know this person is lost and I'm going to go share with them and they're going to receive Jesus and it's going to be wonderful and all that. We're planners, right? But listen to what Jesus says. And I think he's speaking this to us today just as much as he did them. Oh, and by the way, before I get there, just this little nugget. You might be handed over to the synagogues and flogged before kings and governors. Sheeps among wolves and beaten. Anybody ready to sign up and follow Jesus? Sheep among wolves. All right, so then you might get beaten. But listen to what he says for those that would say, I don't know what to say. What, what, what would I say? I got beautiful news for you. You don't have to worry about it. If you know God, if you have the Spirit of God living in you. Now, if you're living a religious life and you've got to contrive everything that happens, then yeah, you need to worry about what to say. But if you know God, if you know God, He says, do not be anxious how you're to speak, what you will say. For what you are to say will be given to you in that hour. For it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of the Father speaking through you. I, I hate to break it to us all. I will start with the guy with this mic in his hand. He does not need me. He does not need you. He chooses to use us. But make no mistake about it. You save absolutely nobody. You cannot. And here's how I know. I want to see a show of hands if you know Jesus this morning. Show who out of you that just raised your hand who was able to save their self. Couldn't do it. If you can't save yourself, how are you going to go save somebody else? You can share all you want. You can stand on the mountaintop. You can preach this. You are not saving anyone. Don't walk up to somebody and say, I'm going to save you today. No, you're not. You didn't purchase them. You didn't redeem them. You didn't walk up Calvary's hill and lay down on a cross. You couldn't save yourself. We save nobody. We can usher them to them. 
but the rest is up to him. That's what we talked about even last week. Like the dust off your feet is that moment. You go and you share and somebody says, hey, I'm not ready for that. Don't force them. Don't manipulate. Don't try to play the emotion thing. It's not your job and you can't save anybody. The beauty of the kingdom is this, though, is that when we do become a child of God, he doesn't just zap us up, take us home. He leaves us here. Why would he do that? There's work for us to do. To share and to tell others and, and to go as he's told us to go. By the way, Francis Chan's a great teacher. Love him. I've read some of his books. He gets to the place of the Great Commission. He, he, he ties it into the old game, Simon Says. Remember Simon Says? Anybody ever played that? Simon Says, pat your head. You pat your head, right? Simon Says, pat your belly. You pat your belly. Rub your belly. And then you get somebody say, jump on one foot. And they jump on one foot. What is it? Simon didn't say. But Jesus says in the church, instead of doing what he says about go and make disciples, Jesus says, we remember that verse. We memorize the verse. That's all we do. We don't actually go and do what He's called us to do. We memorize the verse. So we get this silly idea of Simon says as a five-year-old, but when Jesus says, we want to memorize it. And somebody says, the Great Commission. Oh, I know that. But when have you gone? But make no mistake, when you go, it's not up to you. And you don't have to be anxious about what to say or drum up some kind of thing or have this sales pitch peel. By the way, Everybody, nobody likes a used car salesman, right? Not even me, and I, I, I kind of pretend to be one sometimes. Nobody likes to be sales pitch. You think they want to do that with their soul? You think somebody really wants to hear a sales pitch and you coming up with some clever little Romans Road thing that you've got memorized and all that? Man, how about let's let the Spirit of God be involved in it? If the Spirit leads you to talk to somebody, by all means, do it. If He leads you to pull out a track, do it. But don't just go up there sales pitching. Let me tell you about and Man, just manipulate somebody. Because all that does a lot of times is you might get somebody to pray that prayer with you and they walk off not changed, not encountered Jesus, and then they got this assurance that they prayed some prayer one day in their life. Man, we want people to meet Jesus and have a relationship. Why? Because that is what He created us for. And it is the best way. It's the best way to live. It is so much better than a religious life that, by the way, if you continue to live and you continue to try to follow all the rules and just get everything perfect, and that's going to earn you some kind of favor. All it's going to do is drive you nuts. You can't do it or He wouldn't have had to come in the first place. If you could do it on your own, his death was for nothing. But I got good news this morning. It was for everything. It was for you. You might say, man, I am the worst sinner in this place. You got no idea what I did. All I can tell you is that the love of Jesus is so good. We talked about it a few weeks ago. That the moment when Jesus lets the cat out of the bag, when he's instituted the Lord's Supper, he's just washed disciples' feet. By the way, if you want to know the craziness about God's love, look at the timeline. He washes all the disciples' feet, all 12 of them. A man named Judas had his feet washed. And then Jesus gets to a point and He says, one of you will betray me. It means Judas got his feet washed. Can I tell you again, if Keith was Jesus, how it would have happened? Judas would have been number 12 in line. I would have washed 11 feet and then dirty foot water right on top of it. 
Betray me now. I got you. That's me. That's my love. That's my how I operate sometimes when the flesh is involved. But not my Jesus. He washed his feet. He washed his feet and said, one of you is going to betray me. And the beauty, the, the hindsight looking back, and we know the rest of the story, the beauty of that moment is this. People said this, when Jesus said, one of you is going to betray me, he loved Judas so similar to the rest of the disciples. So much love, so much grace, so much compassion, that when it got to that moment, the other said, is it me? Am I the one? Who is it? It means he loved Judas so well that when he said one of you is going to betray, again, if it's me and I'm walking and I know when Judas is going to betray me, when I am in that moment and I say one of you is going to betray me, they'll say, it's Judas. It's Judas. You see that side eye he gives him all the time. The sarcasm that he gives him. When he, when he gives out the, the fish and the loaves, you know Judas always gets a little less. Like just a little bit. Like I got a whole fillet, Judas got a fish stick. Right? I mean, do you get what I'm saying? But he gets to that moment, he says, one of you is going to betray me. And he loved them so well that they're like, I, I don't know who it could be. So don't sit here and be so, you might think it's humble, but I, I kind of want to say humbling myself, and I don't, I mean this from a heart of love, it's probably arrogance if you think somehow you're such a great sinner that you've sinned so tremendously that Jesus can't forget that's forgive it that's not humility it's an arrogance that you think your sin is more than the grace of Jesus I'm sorry it's not so for the soul out here this morning say I've gone too far I've done too much man he's in the business he's in the business of redeeming people that's gone too far man by the name of Saul I just read about it in, uh, in Acts. That's where I'm at. I just finished up in the Gospels. I'm in Acts, and it starts out by this man named Saul. It says that ravaged the church. Like destroying the way. Like going after all the followers of the way. I just read about Stephen being stoned, and it says, and Saul was there and approved, but yet he met Jesus and does this crazy 180 to the fact that Every town he now goes in and acts, he goes to the synagogue first who used to be his peers, these other Pharisees and Sadducees and religious leaders and scribes. And he stands before them and says, yeah, I used to persecute the way. Now let me tell you about the way. It's Jesus. He's changed my life. He met me on the road to Damascus. I was blind, but now I see. Don't tell me you've gone too far. This man literally stood at the feet of a man by the name of Stephen that was a good man, a follower of Christ. And it says Saul approved. He stood there and approved of that. And Jesus said, this is my chosen instrument to bring the good news to the Gentiles. We're all here because Paul started sending that message out out of the house of Israel. So don't tell me you've gone too far. It's not true. You cannot go too far. So sheep among wolves, some of you will be flogged. Others will be dragged to kings to answer for his life. Jesus, you still with me? You still going to follow? You still my disciple? Don't be anxious, though, what to say. I'll speak it. 
God doesn't need you. He chooses to use you. In fact, there's tons of stories in this book. He spoke through a donkey one time. You know the other word? I wasn't going to say it this morning. If Jesse was up here talking, he'd say it. He spoke through one of them. He used a giant fish one time. Like, I mean, He doesn't need us. He chooses to use us. We listen to the Spirit. Don't be anxious that we listen to His voice. Listen to the way that, that He leads us to. He gets to this place and He's even saying like this, this beautiful come together moment. But really He says this, brother will deliver brother, father will his children, and children their parents. It was a divisive message. It was saying this is not just a way to get to God. This is the way. The only way. And I'm telling you the same news today. Whatever way you've contrived and you somehow think, hey, all roads eventually are going to lead there. It won't. It's going to lead to destruction if it's not rooted in Christ. His is the only way. And so when they tell people that, I had the beautiful privilege of going to India in uh, 2001, it was way back, I was in a little better shape, but we hiked 10 to 15 miles a day. I was in the Himalayan mountains, 13,000 feet. Every step in front of the other was a struggle. I saw things there. I witnessed things. It was amazing. It was a, a life-changing trip. But do you know the, the number one reason that people there won't give their heart to Jesus, won't give their life to Jesus, is because they have to admit because less than 1% are believers in Christ in India. And if they admit that, then they admit that all these generations of their family before them didn't know the way. And it's heartbreaking to see in person. That's what Jesus is saying. I'm sending you out, sheep among wolves, and you're going to be taking this divisive, yes, it brings people together, but in another way, it's a very divisive message of this is the only way. Some of you, in fact, may be in this parking lot looking at me mad this morning saying, well, that's not what my grandmother said. That's not what I heard, you know, from, from this preacher that I listened to on, on, on YouTube or, or whatever it is. I, and I'm, I'm sorry, but it is the only way. And I don't mean that as divisive. I mean it as the most loving thing I can tell you. I know the way and there's one way and his name is Jesus and it's available for you. Why would you choose another way? It's going to lead in destruction. I mean, I can't beg you. I can't make you. All I can do is, is lay it out there and tell you He is the way. It's beautiful. Jesse talked about it before he sang, but for those in the crowd here today that too just think, I think this kind of dispels this myth, but I'll just follow. If I just follow Jesus, everything's going to be perfect. It won't. It won't. Listen, I wish I could stand here and tell you, follow Jesus and every trouble you have on this earth will be made right in an instant. It won't. In fact, it kind of goes along with what Jesus said. In fact, it may be the exact opposite. If you give your heart and life to Christ, you may be sheep among wolves. You may be handed over one day. We're not there yet, but maybe it could be. But one thing we know is that Jesus even tells His disciples at one point, in this world, you will. Not that you might, not that you could. You will have trouble. So why are we so stressed and like God doesn't love me because things aren't great? 
in this world you will have trouble but here's what he says take heart i have overcome the world that's where the hope lies it won't be perfect because we live in a broken world there still will be cancer it never was supposed to be sin entered the picture death entered the picture and it was not perfection anymore but perfection is coming because scripture says i am seated on the throne and behold i am making all things new it will be better than eden there will be no sin no temptation to sin can you imagine that day he's making all things new right now but it's not new at this moment it will be tough and he even tells this crowd, he says this, you will be hated for my name's sake. The world will hate you. And here's why. is because this world is ruled by the prince of darkness. He is in control for a short while. And so this is his dominion that we are kind of amphibians in, right? We're home, but yet still here. It's kind of a dual world thing. One day, though, he is making everything new. All will be right. Satan will be vanquished. Any of those temptations to sin, won't, I can't even imagine the day that I won't be tempted to sin. The last verse says it, and uh, it says it today, that Jesus so many times was asked, what power, what authority you teach in, or, or even those that would say, man, he's from Beelzebub. He's from the enemy. He's from Satan, all of these things. And he just kind of plays into that. And he says, if the, if the world right now is calling me that, how much more are they going to do the household? Those that follow me. He's telling you, they're, they're going to hate you. And I'll just tell you this. If they would crucify a perfect son of God, what would they do to us? This was God in the flesh. Perfect. Never sinned. Compassion, mercy, grace. And we think we'll be somehow unscathed because we've given our heart to Jesus. It's the opposite. This world is cruel and it will hurt. It ought not surprise, but it falls in the modern narrative's face of just give your life to Jesus and everything will be great. If that's why you're wanting to come to him, don't. It's going to make your life on earth more difficult at times, but again, you will not be alone. I'll close with this. I read this last week. I was telling this to Jesse earlier. I said, in Scripture, it hit me when I read this story. It said that Jesus never, ever promised happiness. I want you to go back and look. See if you can find it. Look in all the Gospels, all the teachings of Jesus. When He says, follow me, He never says, follow me and you'll be happy. Follow me and everything will be perfect. It's not there. So that health and wealth, name it, claim it, just come to me and you'll have everything you ever dreamed of. And, and by the way, if you've ever got a preacher, if you've ever got someone of influence that's talking to you and they tell you, well, you just don't have enough faith or you haven't given enough money, run the other way. You don't have to pay a dime. This grace is free. It costs. It costs Jesus' life, but it is free to me and you. It'll cost you laying down your life. It'll cost you picking up your cross. It'll cost like being sheep among wolves. But it is free. You don't have to pay. You never have to tithe. You never have to. This is going to blow your mind. I want you here.
but you don't even have to go to church. You know why? Church would never be something we went to anyway. We are the church. If you've turned church into just an event, it's not church. Church is the body. It's the people. And so there's nothing you have to do. It is free. But I will tell you this, once you've encountered that kind of love, that's when you begin to want to do those things. You want to gather with other people that are believers. You want to tell others about Him. You want to love someone. You want to, like last week when I saw it right over here, there was uh, two new people that come up late. The wife got a plate. The husband did not. And I saw somebody with an extra plate go and hit. And they didn't do it for show. They didn't think anybody. I saw it. Why would they do that? That was their plate. Like, right? They were going to take that home, have that tonight, have that tomorrow, whenever. But they gave it to somebody else. Now, why would they do that? Because of the love of Jesus. It didn't make it better for them right now. Right? They didn't earn some special favor. God didn't look at them and say, I love you more because of that. He already loved them enough to lay down His life. But I can tell you this, it did make God smile. I believe that. It made me smile. I saw it as a follower of Christ. I saw that right over here where Mike's standing. I saw somebody give plate away. You say, man, that's not a big deal. It was given to them. But they could have kept it for themselves. They didn't have to do that. It was the love of Christ that promised but again, He never promised our happiness, but here's what I'll close with. He did promise He will always be with us. He did promise peace, and He promised He would never leave you or forsake you. So, um, will you bow your heads with me and just think on it in this way? Will you answer His call to follow, or will you go your own way? He doesn't promise happiness, but He promises this, that if you are a follower and you are a sheep sent out among the wolves, if, God forbid, the day comes when we are drunk before kings and governors and have to answer for this life that we live, you didn't promise happiness, you didn't promise perfection, but you did promise I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I am with you to the end of the age. God, I don't have just tons to offer. I'd love to intervene in every situation out here and try to make life better and things. God, I do know this, though. I have been given a love that I can't explain Except I just know that it's free and it's available for anybody that would choose to accept it. That's life-changing. It, it changes the direction of our life forever when we bow the knee and just simply say yes to you, Jesus. And I, I want to apologize. If there's somebody out here that's felt like it's more, felt like they got to earn it, felt like they got to try, felt like they never measure up, none of us in this parking lot measure up Nobody we've ever met measures up. No Billy Grahams, no Mother Teresa, no anybody that's ever lived. No matter what good they've done outside of Jesus. Father, it's filthy rags. But we know a love that is just 
so encompassing, so life-changing, so amazing. Somebody out here needs to meet that for the first time today. Some of us need to fall back in love with that. Some of us are prodigals that need to just come running back to you. And all I can say is I don't know what they've been through. I don't know what their prodigal story is, but I do know this. The story remains the same with the father. No matter the prodigal of where we ran, what we did, what happened, the father's still waiting. The father's still there to run out and kiss the son, kiss the daughter that's coming home. That's why we're out here, to let folks know that Jesus, you love them. You made a way. It won't make everything perfect, but it does make everything new. So Jesus, we love you. Jesus, we need you. Jesus, we thank you. We pray it in your name. Amen. All right, guys. Um, we've had a lot of, hold on one second. We've had a lot of uh, anger. We've had a lot of obstacles out here today. Um, there's been a, and again, you know, Keith mentioned earlier about you know, the evil spirit factor of things. I know that's a little weird for some of you, but I'm about to up the ante on the weirdness of that real quick. But um, we have days like that. And we believe, and we've seen this, that the Spirit of God is moving throughout this place. And, and some of you have spelt it. Some of you have seen it. You know, God has broken through and broke some chains on your hearts and stuff. And that's a very real thing, okay? I'm the, one of the most practical dudes ever. And I'm just telling you, that's a very real thing, all right? So for the rest of our time, I'm going to say a quick prayer over us. And I want us just to be conscious that God is still at work just because we're, we're, we're moving into the, the, uh, this next portion of, of our time together where we, where we pass out provisions. We want to understand that God is still at work and His Spirit is even moving through the handing out of provisions. That's the hand of God. That's God fathering us, right? Um, but I want us to understand that we do have an enemy, like Keith was saying. We do have an enemy that wants to distract he wants to frustrate. And there are pivotal moments where God's at work and then something will, will we've seen it out here where somebody will start fighting or somebody will start screaming and yell. That's not by mistake, okay? That is that is warfare. And we don't want to give it too much uh, uh, place. We don't, want to, we don't want to go overboard and get real weird about it. But we do want to acknowledge that we have an enemy and that he is at work against what God is doing. Can I just get an amen on that? He is at work against what God is up to. Okay? So, right now, if you will, just pray together. I just want to say a quick prayer. And just be mindful of that as we move into this time of the service. Be, man, guys, be calm. Be understanding. Okay? Um, part of the deal, part of the gig, man, when you follow Jesus, it's about giving of yourself. It's about taking the second place. It's about being last when you want to be first. That's part of the deal, okay? That's part of who we are as God's people. We give up the right to be first. Can I just say that out loud? Can you guys, can you guys agree? Yeah. I give up the right to be first. If I'm going to be a son of God, if I'm going to be a daughter of God, I give up that right, okay? So right now, Lord Jesus, we just want to say the name. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus.
And we want to pray. We want to bring the cross of Christ against the spirit of wickedness, the spirit of chaos that we felt here today. We bring the cross of Christ against the spirit of chaos, against the spirit of anger, against the spirit of bitterness. And we send those to the throne of God for judgment. They have no power out here. We declare that in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who conquered death, the one who, who rose from the, from the grave and who ascended to the Father. We bring that name, that power against any spirit that is not of God right now. And as Father, as we move into the time of, to this time of the service, will you just just illuminate your hand and your and your provision and your care for us as your sons and as your daughters? And if there's anyone here, Father, who who sat under Keith's teaching today and who does not know you as a father, does not know the joy of being a son or a daughter of you today, Father, will you? Bring them into the fold. Will you bring them into your family? Touch their heart. Just give them the courage to come to one of us and ask how it's done. It's such an easy thing to be a son or a daughter of you. Father, we just pray today, God, that you would, you would, those, those that are running from you today, their, their running would stop. And they would turn to the one who has turned his face to them. Father, we just sit under your gaze today and we, we want to celebrate the fact that you care enough about us that you've gathered these provisions for us to have. And we just declare that Jesus Christ is the only name, it's the name above all names. And we declare that this is God's country here. This is his parking lot. We, we stake this in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the kingdom of God. In his name we pray, amen.